and then we're gonna we'll have kind of an overall theme of the Seminex. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think you might be better prepared to give like a, just a little brief overview of it than I can. Yeah, I'll have to quick look it up. Um, I'm just gonna Wikipedia. It. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just gotta. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just have to call it in. Recorded live at Tox and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. And I'm Vicker. And Peter's here too. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. We got some, uh, this, sh- this should be, uh, this sh- show is going to be semi-excellent. <laughs> I see what you did there. If you don't know what that, what, uh, what we might be referring to, uh, we'll get that to that in a little bit. It's, uh, a kind of a little bit of our history of our synod mm-hmm. and, um, and just kind of discussing it because we're getting close to 50 years. Aren't yeah. We? Yeah. 1974, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, so um, how you doing, Berg? Oh, just living the dream. It's been busy. Well, Vicar and I have been clanging and banging in the weight room. Yep. Vicar said uh, that uh, he's a little tight today now, or sore. Or... Yep, I'm sore today, and I, I can tell that it's working though. That's good. Today That's we awesome. worked on the the, the delts. Nice. A lot of delt work today. Front delt, lowered uh, bat, rear delt, and. Uh, some presses, a little bicep work, a little chest work. Nice. Yep. yep. Yeah. So that's going well. It's a. Uh, it's always good when you go back to, to the seminary and and everyone sees well. It's some well, vicars really change over vicarage. It, it reflects well on the program. It makes you more imposing to your fellow seminarians. Yeah. Especially yeah. to those first years. I was wondering if there was a vicar fifteen like there's the freshman fifteen. Where some people gain a little bit. Gain 15 pounds of muscle. <laughs> well, it's been a little while since uh, Vickers had the guts to work out with me. I had one who tried for a week, and he one after he went home, he threw up, and he said, this isn't for me. <laughs> How hard did you work him? I don't know. You know, you got to kind of ease him into it a little I, bit. I kind of wore that as a badge of honor because he used to be he used to be a Marine. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Yeah. So. Yeah, well... <laughs> Maybe I, I, I uh, took a little too, you know, I, I knew he had been a Marine, so I took, pushed him a little too far. Well, you got to set the, you know, the settings on the freak factory down a little bit for yes. the newcomers, you know. That's true. That's true. Actually, Vicar, it's kind of funny after you've been there that we call it the freak factory because a lot of times uh, Vicar and I have the least amount of gray hair. Yes. They're over there. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> There's a few old ladies that use the machines too, and you'd be impressed. Mm-hmm. They're clanging and banging. Yep. 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 But I do get a little self-conscious, you know, because you know, I don't want these old ladies oogling me. I'm a pastor, you know. It's awkward. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> well, you could wear your collar, you know, and then have the muscle shirt. Oh, oh. So that that could be our thing. Uh, Hannah, get to work on uh, selling uh, some. Uh, well, we talked about getting some clerical air stringers. That's that's true. So uh, we have some coffee here. I haven't taken a sip of this yet. The coffee we have. Vicar so generously provided it. So actually, this is from 
uh, our uh, the the secretary here went to Hawaii, and Ooh. she brought back some Hawaiian coffee. So nice. this is Hawaiian coffee. You know, she sent a really nice email for the um, for the Winkle stuff, our pastors' meeting stuff, <laughs> and she uh, she mailed us all a copy of the Winkle schedule. And as she said, because she cares. So <laughs> because I said when the schedule came out, I emailed everyone. I said I'm not mailing one out to you because I don't care enough about you to to mail one that's and our caught in, that that's our intrepid circuit visitor for you so <laughs> and then and then uh, she she said yeah i fixed the dates because pastor messed all those up and i mailed one out to you because i care <laughs> and then she brings coffee so it's good i like it yeah, this is that kona coffee from hawaii i wonder what makes it kona well i guess one difference from coffee here is it grows in the lava rocks, the plants, so it has a different uh, environment to grow in. Okay. Hmm. hmm. I knew some beekeepers, and they talked. They actually spent some time in Hawaii with all of the uh, um, special and native plants there, and and so they grew honey there. And you would think, I guess, that the uh, that the honey there would be like really sweet and all that. They said no. It's it's completely different. It's uh, they actually prefer um, clover honey to anything that they grew in Hawaii. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Whether the listener finds that interesting, where could they let us know, Vicar? <laughs> well, they could email us at feedback at clericalerrors.org. They can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast or at Twitter. Twitter at, me, bro. at clericalerrorsp for Keep podcasts. Well, this coffee is good. Since uh, Vicar and I are kind of being melted, formed into stone at the Freak Factory, we got coffee mm-hmm. grown in. Right the- now, your your muscles are like lava, right? And eventually, they'll harden up. And you know, I'm I'm, t- I'm teaching him a new way to to teach the long gospel. This is terrible for a podcast because they can't see, but I'm the law. I'm the gospel. <laughs> okay, so he's doing the sort of peck work that you would see like on blood. This sport. is not good. This is not so. good podcast material. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> hey, uh, actually, before we move completely on, uh, how do you guys like the new website? It looks good. Yeah, it is really amazing. If you guys haven't been over to see the website, you really should uh, take a look at it because it's it's really nice. Hannah said she was going to uh, explain our logo and our new artwork, um, but in true clerical error fashion, we have don't have it yet. So, Well, I mean, we can't expect you know her to get stuff done because frankly we don't get stuff done for her right on time right so. and this is this is what makes me feel bad i feel like we're kind of rubbing off on her a little bit <laughs> 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 she's truly becoming one of us oh man i had an interesting uh couple of days last week i went to the vicarage supervisors conference where some of the vicarage supervisors who have vicars kind of get together and you know have a meeting yeah what do you What'd you think? Was it everything you hoped? It was everything I... It's They're usually all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you do? I mean, what's the... Format. Like, you know... Oh, you get yeah. it. A lot of it's just kind of open discussion. Um, you, you learn one... You kind of get reacquainted with the seminary uh, and, and, and what's going on over there, what they're seeing, how many vicars they have. There's really going to be... There has been a very small classes. I think yours is one of the smaller right. 
and but they're starting to pick up again, so they're going to need more Vickers again, and uh, and uh, it's a uh, you know just a chance to just bounce things off each other a little bit. Were there any discussions there that captured your interest? Um, to be honest, I was the the, the supervisor with the most experience there. So I was actually Ooh. kind of a reference. Man, the venerable sage sitting across from me. Yeah, can you believe that? I, oh, I, I mean, I can fool some people for at least a couple of days, right? <laughs> I think all of our listeners know better. Right. So. Kind of like if I if I were to say something like, yeah, I was reading this book one time and... <laughs> so did, how, many, uh, <laughs> how many Berg moments did you have where you wanted to punch somebody in the face? Not too often. But there were some times. That that actually happens when I go to a vicarage supervisor's meeting in St. Louis because they alternate every other year. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm able to you know tamp that down a little mm-hmm. bit. So then you really need to go to the freak factory. <laughs> Sounds like a child of Seminex. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, did you did you use the uh, on campus gym while you were there? I didn't have time. Uh, there's there's one one time where I I was thinking about it and then. Like my hives hit really bad, and I was Ooh. like, "I don't want to work out right now." You should have gone and run with the Nord. Oh, he goes he goes running all the time. I'm not a runner. Yeah, I to me it's against my religion because <laughs> Proverbs says that the wicked run when no one is pursuing them. Mm-hmm. So you know, <laughs> I kind of I just like to get big so I don't have to run. You know, people it's more generally... the it's more the fight, not the flight. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I'd rather have people run from me than have to run. It's what the old bulls do. They just walk in and posture, and then the young ones scatter. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like that that jacked kangaroo video I I showed you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you ever ever want to chuckle, just there's all sorts of kangaroos on on the interweb that are just totally ripped. It's amazing. Have you seen one of these? No, no, I haven't seen one of these. All right, this is great podcast with Joe Peter. Uh, let's make this a, a find a video that bothers Berg. All right, here we go. Roger the kangaroo. Look at that. He knows it. Look at that confidence. He may look <laughs> fake, but the man who saved him says he's the real deal. Would, I mean, would you step to that, Berg? No. I. That's. I mean. <laughs> I kind of have a policy against fighting wild animals unless I have to. Oh, this is one where the guy like. <laughs> so I just punched a kangaroo in the face. Oh, 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 like, what he's, happened? oh he's mad now, man. He's like, like kangaroo I'm not... goes for his dog. It's got his the dog kangaroo puts his dog in a headlock. Yeah, oh and then gosh. they, the guy and the kangaroo just square up for a minute. Like, all right, let's go, let's go, and then let's go. Goes, Bam! <laughs> kangaroo's like, did that guy just really do that to me? Like I, th- yeah. I thought we were playing. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll see you later. <laughs> oh man! Hey, we should just change the podcast. This Berg and Bullhigan watching videos. <laughs> uh, man, send us your videos at clericalairs.org. So we should actually talk about what you're preaching on, for heaven's sakes. Vicar's preaching. Oh, Vicar's preaching. Yep. Oh man, Vicar gets to run this whole thing. We don't have to do anything. Be careful. Sometimes Berg will just say, okay, riff on that. Like, what do you mean riff on that? <laughs> so it's the 17th Sunday after Trinity, 
and the New Testament is Luke 14, 1 through 11. Do you want me to read it? Uh, just kind of mention what it is. Give us an overview. It's All got right. a, a, mir- a parable and a miracle, a miracle and a parable. Yeah, so first we have kind of a that trap where Jesus is going to the Pharisees uh, for dinner, and there just suddenly is a man in front of him with dropsy that, he, that he's got to heal, and it's the Sabbath. And he uh, asks well, by, him, by the way, what is dropsy? So it's a disease where there's some su- severe swelling, usually like a sign of kidney disease or blood disease or even heart disease. Does it start with hives? It might. Or an esophagus? I'm not sure. <laughs> is it fatal? Um, well, if you have severe kidney disease or heart disease, it certainly could be. Yeah. Right, but the dropsy itself. Yeah, I'm not sure. They call it edem- edema today. Mm-hmm. have to look that up. But Jesus knows that they're thinking he's going to heal on the Sabbath. So he just calls them out and says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And they, they didn't have an answer for him. They were silent. And then he says, which of you having a son or an ox has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day would not immediately pull him out? And again, they could not reply. But then they go into this wedding feast or they, they go in for dinner and he gives them the parable of the wedding feast after he sees them all coming in and playing musical chairs, every time somebody with a little more pull comes in, they get up and they shuffle. So they try every and, day I'm shuffling. Yep. So he he gives them the parable uh, of the wedding se- feast, how you should sit at the lowest spot, so that you don't go through the shame of being moved out of your seat to the lowest spot. So there's some big overtones of um, being humble, but then there's eschatological implications here. What do you mean by eschatological? End times. End times. So it ends with, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So when I'm preaching this here, I want to play on pride a little bit and talk about that. I don't know if we we get to talk about that often enough. Mm -hmm. And just go through some current life examples of that. But then on the flip side, what does being humble look like? Because to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to be humble. And in fact, that's the family setting that God sent his son Jesus into. Mary was humble. Um, Joseph was humble. And I'm actually going to talk about the Magnificat a little bit, just briefly in the introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but When Vicar and I were kind of talking about this text, it's one thing we noticed that that parable and that whole scene, you compare that to Mary in the Magnificat. She, he, you know, who is low, lowly, God has done mighty things. Mm-hmm. She was, in a sense, on the low that, that God said, you know, receive the glory of being the mother of, of Jesus. So are you primarily focusing on the, the second part the of this second pericope? Part. Yes, I'm kind of just going quickly. Because you, the... you, can, you can do both. There are ways that you can do it, but it's, they don't necessarily have to be one or the other. I mean, you can say that, that uh, in the discussion, it was their own pride that kept that even allowed them to to wonder whether Jesus could heal mm-hmm. on the Sabbath or not. But uh, yeah, and there's a couple ways if you wanted to dwell on the first part there about the healing of the man on the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. We've talked about that before. Um, you've also got this, uh, was it a trap set by the Pharisees because there were lawyers present too? 
and they just wanted to prove. Hang, hang the lawyers, man. Yep. Because those are some pretty credible witnesses, mm-hmm. for one thing. Or did Jesus plant the man there, and was this a, an object lesson, and he's trying to disciple these sinners? Well, one interesting discussion that Vicar and I had about humility is this, is what really does that kind of look like? I mean, if you are taking the lower seat so that for the, the, the goal of being lifted up, is that is that really humility, or is it saying to yourself, I kind of deserve <laughs> mm-hmm. that lower seat? Because most people in the Scripture who are humbled and are humble, it's more of a, an accurate view of themselves and really less a statement about, about other people. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm humble before God. I'm a humble servant. And it's not so much... Uh, for the sake of themselves, you know, if I humble myself and do really well, then then maybe I'll be glorified. It's just, it's being humble for the sake of understanding their sin and also the desire to to be to love God and love others. And and if it's a works righteous type of humility, you know, which we have a lot in the Lutheran Church, actually. Yeah, I was going to mention there is some instances of Lutheran piety that goes too far. You know, I you know like I don't want to sit in front. Can we get spoilers? For for the aspects of Lutheran piety, um, I probably as a vicar shouldn't talk too much about it, but I'm still observing that. But I, I think some some churches have a little more bells and whistles than others, mm-hmm. and I wonder if it enhances the worship service or distracts from it. But I'm still learning about that. So he is a clean slate. Hmm. So what, do you have any comments on the text? Do you know what direction you're going yet? Uh, I've already written my sermon because we have a baptism, and so I'm preaching on the epistle lesson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, unity, because it's uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. So what I'm... Oh, that's a, that's a great proof text for open communion. Ha! Huh. <laughs> no. No, it isn't. Uh, I don't believe that listener. I just... You know how I tried to poke the bear here. That's my job. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, basically, mine's a three-point sermon on um, unity is God-given, unity is found in the Word and Sacraments, and uh, Christians in their sanctification strive after that unity that they've been given by God. That's a that's a good point. Because how often does it get charged in a, in a severe pastor in a small town, and you are a pastor of an LCMS congregation in a small town? What is the charge that is always thrown at us because we don't participate in the community service? Mm-hmm. That we don't want unity, right? And the truth is, we don't want false unity, right? And so that's those are the kind of things that I'm going to talk about in the sermon uh, because it's wonderful, right? We have a baptism, and this child is being brought uh, into this unity with us, and that's a wonderful thing. Right, that's that's the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism, um, and as Christians, we do strive to have unity with one another uh, based on the Word and the sacraments. Um, this gets back to your point about um, you know ceremonies not having to be the same everywhere, right? That um, what truly unites the church, it's her doctrine and the gifts that the Lord has given her. Um, and that is something that, as Lutherans, we can never forget, because um, 
the Augsburg Confession, I think it's Article 7 on the Church, 7 or 8, I think it's Article 7. I used to know all these, but it used to be better than this. Um, says this, right, that it is, uh, it's not, it is enough that the Church agrees in the pure proclamation of the Word and the right administration of the sacraments, right? Mm-hmm. That um, we have no flag for the Church— we don't have a pledge of allegiance for the church. The church doesn't have boundaries. The church is not made up of one ethnic group or another ethnic group. Um, we don't all have a super secret handshake or Dakota rings. Um, but are, we are a spiritual people who are identified, all right, or a spiritual people based on this one faith, and that one and this invisibility mm-hmm. then manifests itself in the Word and in the sacraments, which is why, you know, we put such emphasis on pure teaching of the gospel and right administration of the sacraments, because where those are found, that's where the Church is. Where those are found, that's where you have true unity. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm preaching on. But getting back to this other text, um, I think, too, going along with humility, um, humility is an attitude, First and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. Getting back to what you guys are talking about, um, like you said, it's not simply a matter of observing outward things. I mean, this is why the the Pharisees are so prideful uh, on the Sabbath, right? Because they believe that they are uh, observing these outward things, and that makes them better than other people. Um, why are people prideful in the next part where they're sitting? Um, like you said, right, that if you take the lowest spot with the expectation that you're going to be raised up, your attitude is wrong, right? Right. Then you are simply observing outward forms without the right inner attitude. And, and that's how that's how I believe the, the, the healing the man that drops in the Sabbath and this plays a role mm-hmm. because and that's how you they can be tied together in the sense of, well, if you are going to take a chair so that you're you know, lifted up, that's works righteousness, right? Right. And how in the previous, how e- even in their own works righteousness, th- it, it caused them a question, can he heal on the Sabbath or not? Can he heal this poor man on the Sabbath or not? Right, because, I mean, we look at people, and this is always our temptation, right, is to look at these things, at these outward um, actions as reflecting the inner attitude. Mm-hmm. And that is not always the case. I mean, this is a great time to talk about hypocrisy, right? Right. That um, if you are doing these things, right, for the attention, for the praise, um, for uh, and then believe that you deserve something from God because of this, um, there's not just pride, but you're actually a hypocrite. It'd be much better than if your inward attitude reflected your outward one, where mm-hmm. you actually were going to take the majors, you know, the, the high seat. One link between these two parts of the text would be the uh, Pharisees and religious leaders thought that the dropsy was a result of some grievous sin mm-hmm. in that man's life. And on the flip side, they might think that them not being having these problems is because of something good that they did that's pleasing to God. Right. And, you know, all of the rules and sort of casistry kind of a bad casistry that came forward with this is, well, what can you do on the Sabbath, right? I mean, all of the rabbinic laws said, yeah, of course you can heal on the Sabbath if it's life-threatening, right? Dropsy isn't life-threatening, right? 
This is why, like, you know, Jews today, like in New York City, you've got wires above in Manhattan that tell them how far they can walk on the Sabbath. They actually have um, um, uh, devices that turn on their stoves because they can't light a fire on the Sabbath to feed themselves. Right. And this is not this is not the correct spirit. And so this is why, I mean, I guess if I were preaching this text, because I, with COVID, you know, we, I think, have rightly said, yeah, we should be in church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think that's all people think about when they think of the third commandment, this sort of outward adherence to going to church. And Jesus is saying here, like, you know, you can— conform to the third commandment outwardly but you can still have the wrong spirit right mm-hmm. if, if you are going to church because you think you're earning brownie points from god you're doing it wrong i i in a way i actually when in the last one where we had the the we i didn't wind up bringing this up in the podcast because i wound up writing my sermon afterwards a little bit but i i, I talked about the miracle of jesus raising the son at nain and i began my sermon with the discussion of this, how, how many of you listening were really took to heart the miracle? And I mentioned, even me in preparing for it, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, we got another miracle. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and how we just heard it without any kind of actually thinking about what he did. We live in a time where death is always in our minds and our, and our thoughts. I mean, we are more aware of our own mortality than we were when I was a child, when I remember in school, hiding behind a desk, saying that would save us from a nuclear bomb. Right. And and yet we hear this miracle of Jesus actually raising the dead, a miracle that really did happen, and we we've, we don't... And it doesn't even touch us. It doesn't even touch us. And so I ask, ask them, so does it, what's the problem here? What do we do? Does that mean maybe we should hear less about the, 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 the miracles so that it means more when we do it? <laughs> <laughs> Is the problem with the miracle... Or is the problem with us? Because you take a step further. Um, uh, how often do we hear about the cross mm-hmm. and it's unaffected? How often do we confess our sins in church without much thought? You know, the, the how about communion? Mm-hmm. Uh, when people say, uh, that, that's the kind of logic sometimes you might hear, well, if we have communion too often, it won't feel so special anymore. Right. So is the problem the communion, the Lord's Supper? Or is it you? Right. And, you know, I think this has so many applications even for things like church times, right? I mean, can you imagine, like, if someone came, you know, to the vestry, right, and was like, hey, I want to take communion, um, and you say, okay, well, where, you know, where are you from? Where do you attend church? And they say, well, you know, I'm ELCA. And, it, and then you actually have the conversation about the differences, and, you know, and you do this, right? Mm-hmm before the service, because they actually want to take communion, and you want them to take communion too, but we actually need to be in true unity with one another. Mm-hmm. You know, would we, you know, uh, because Jesus here talks about necessity, right? If a, if, uh, if a donkey, a son, or an ox falls into a pit, don't you take them out immediately on the Sabbath mm-hmm. day? Well then, I mean, really, even though it would be a huge inconvenience, what happens if we delayed church an hour— so that way we could have true unity with these people. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is the thing. People would be upset. Why? Because church didn't start on time. 
<laughs> right? I mean, mm-hmm. th- like these are the sort of things that, I mean, this text actually talks about. And we do it too, right? Well, we don't have time to talk to people about this, right? Or you, or you have the, the also this kind of piety where people will say, I, it's very important that I stay, that I that I believe in what the, the LCMS Lutheran Church believes. And then you ask them what those things are, and they don't know. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so those are some things I think that we should, you know, be willing to to think about, right? No doubt. This isn't saying that you shouldn't go to church because you should mm-hmm. go to church. Like that is the that's the lowest that's, way of like fulfilling that's the third the outward, commandment. That's the outward part. It but taking, you know, I actually thought about this. Uh I preach at you preach at the seminary mm-hmm. at the chapel and maybe at towards the end of the podcast we can ask where people can listen to that. They could actually hear your if you don't mind. Yeah, no, that's great. Um and I and I preach at the pastors conference. Um, uh, at the opening service, I, th- I think I said I didn't want to do the the closing service because I might be gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I stay for the whole thing, Vicar. I'm a good example. Okay, but but uh, you know, I was thinking about the how interesting it is to preach to pastors because you know we as pastors find it hard and difficult to preach when people kind of in a sense refuse to to listen and to have be open to have a change of heart by the word of God, right? Right. That's that's one of our biggest challenges. Right? Even whether it's oh, I hope so and so is listening to this service or it's you know, we have whether and every issue nowadays we're so entrenched in a particular vein that we don't leave any freedom to have a change of heart, a change of mind. Right. And and uh you know, I might even bring this up in the sermon based on the the text a little bit is well, this is why pastors don't like to preach to other pastors. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes, well, and see, and it's hard for us. Mm-hmm. Like, it is harder for a pastor to listen to a sermon because you you know the behind-the-scenes stuff. Right. Right? And so it's very easy to look for, oh, and be like, oh, yeah, I really like that turn of phrase, or I really like right. how that's structured, rather than, okay, this is the voice of the living God. Or to say, to think about it, you know, I was wrong. Right. <laughs> you, yeah. You know, or you're going to say I was wrong, or you're going to be offended or saying, well, he got that wrong. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's so that, that where that, that's how I may think of, of even, it's, mm-hmm. it's really a strange thing because we as pastors complain, well, you know, you know, people, people, if people just like listen to what the, the word of God is saying and really taking it to heart, it would make such a difference. And then you go to preach a bunch of pastors. Right, and they are, <laughs> and they don't, they're not listening. They're, right. They're looking at, did you have a strong mental matrix? Right, I mean, and that's just as bad, right? Like, because it's like, oh, well, you know, this was good, or oh, well, I would have done something different. It's like, no, this is the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And it demands something from you. So preview, uh, that's probably how I'm going to start that sermon, is to say, don't you, don't, you know, doesn't it bother you when you, you want to preach the Word of God and, and they refuse to actually listen mm-hmm. and take to heart what you have to say? You know, that's why most people, most pastors don't t- like to preach at pastor's conferences. <laughs> no, so this is good. This is great. So so let's, moving on to the top 12 list, um, P- 
Peter, I may not have top t- a full 12, and and uh, my discussion that I had about this, it was in reverse order. So can we just go from start at one this time rather than a countdown? Sure. Yeah, we'll work it out. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top tw- Six. He's getting it. He's getting it. You know, to be honest, I do think every once in a while I hear practicing in a study, you know, I'm trying to concentrate. Well, I, you know, hey, I hear, it, show, it shows play a humble spirit and that he's trying to, right. you know, take but, it to heart. But does he have to do it in front of a mirror? That's, that's, <laughs> I don't understand. Well, he's got to see that, that all, all those deltoid, you know, right? you know, games, right? Like, I was thinking about that because, um, you know how I, I refer to as someone like with a strong, like back, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and a, like a nice strong frame is like you're yoked. Yep. And now that he's been working out, there's a lot of pressure on him because I don't I don't want to be unequally yoked ah. in the free factory. So, <laughs> you know, so, sometimes you just gotta you know condescend a little bit, right? That's right. Take my lower seat in the. There you go. So we're talking about so, um, a lot of many 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 I think of our casual listeners will have no idea. When we talk about Seminex, yeah, what exactly it was. A lot, most of the pastors will know. A lot of the people um, younger than me probably don't know what we're talking about. A lot of the older members, older than me, who lived through it will know. But kind of enlighten us, Berg, on when, when we talk about Seminex. It was something that happened our, in our church body. Um, it kind of give us a kind of a brief overview. All right, so Seminex is the widely used abbreviation for Concordia Seminary in Exile, later Christ Seminary, uh, Seminex that existed from 1974 to 1987 after a schism in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. The Seminary in Exile was formed due to the ongoing fundamentalist modernist controversy. It was a controversy over the Bible. Um, do we believe that the Bible is the Word of God or that the Bible contains the Word of God? Uh, and this was dividing uh, really all Protestant churches in the United States at that time. And so what was at issue here was disagreements on the authority of Scripture, the role of Christianity, how do you read the Bible, um, basically things like, is Jonah a myth? Is six-day creation history? Or is it um, a poet? Uh, uh, is it poetry? Right. You know, uh, that sort of thing. So... Does the Bible contain errors? Is another one. So, and and so there, there they were in exile, and, and most of them probably to this at this point, that's all kind of was shifted over to the ELCA mostly. Would yeah. You say? So Christ Seminary Seminex all was absorbed when the ELCA was founded in what 1987, 1988, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, this was uh, this was a big this was a big deal. This was a big deal, and so because I, I, uh, I, uh, I didn't live through it necessarily. It was all you know when I was really, really little. But my dad was a pastor, and and I'll be honest, I don't didn't really pay that much attention to it, just because you know when you're growing up at that age, there's a you might find a lot of pastors my age who are a little jaded about church polity and church politics mm-hmm. because you know we lived with some of that, so. Uh, in discussion with my dad, uh, Dr. James Bullhagen, 
who graduated the seminary, I think it was in 70? So about four years. Well, did no, he graduate from Springfield? Or 60, well, 70 or six, 71 from Fort Wayne, or from uh, Spring, St. Louis. Oh, from St. Louis. Okay, so he would have had right. these guys then. Right. In fact, he said that uh, right in the early, seven, early 70s, he actually took a call to Phoenix, Arizona, because where he was in Minnesota, I think there was some skepticism because he came from the St. Louis Seminary at that time. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, he went to a place where, you know, on the where they didn't know any of that really very well, and he could just be a pastor and focus on God's word and that kind of thing. Right. So what I have here is a top twelve lessons um, that we can take with us that we learn from that experience. Okay? Very good. Um, and the first thing that uh, that. Uh, Dr. Bullhagen mentioned is simply and number one don't trust the paid professionals okay go into meaning that uh, there was a kind of an attitude um, and uh, he said that when Seminex happened the, the those who left just assumed that well of course 50% of the church is going to leave with us mm-hmm. and very few actually did um and the point is, is uh, and, and I guess we see some, some of that today, right? Where, where you have uh, health officials say, just trust the science, believe that we're gonna, we're smart people that are gonna tell you, right? Follow the experts. That's follow of the experts. F- listen to the to the experts in lab coats because they're on TV, mm-hmm. and uh, and follow along, and and that's exactly the opposite. What. The Lutheran Church Missouri Senate did at this time. Right. Which uh, kept us. Right. It, it, was, us it wasn't, it wasn't the, the paid professionals that really kept us on the straight and narrow. Right. And, and I guess a good example of this would be you, you, you don't see this very often anymore. You know, for example, uh, when a church body nowadays takes some stand that that uh, the majority of the church members would disagree with. They say, well, we don't agree with this, but, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, but it was the people in the pews that really spoke up and, and said, this is not the Bible we know. And this is why every Christian who's listening to this podcast, you have the right to judge doctrine. Mm-hmm. You have the right to judge doctrine. It is your responsibility and your duty to judge doctrine, to test the spirits by the yardstick of God's word, and 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 it's in what the beauty of, of knowing the catechism is this: if you know the catechism well, in most cases, that's all you need to right. confront a lot of those issues, right? Because the the catechism is just a distillation of what the Bible teaches. I mean, most errors that you might run into, you can say, "Well, doesn't the catechism teach this?" Doesn't whether it's on marriage or whether a whole host of things, and this is true of you know. What happens if your pastor says something that is misleading, right? I mean, if if that is happening, you as a Christian have the right and the duty to question it according to God's Word. A duty, yes. Yes, a duty. Like, you have to do it. This is what God commands you to do. You can't just sit there and uh, veg out in the pews. But you Pew- actually have to be listening. Pew potatoes. Yeah, pew potato. There we go. I like that. 
that should be our uh well no i like the semi the semen excellent one too <laughs> but i like pew potato as well so number two is kind of we already touched on this already but uh one lesson to learn is for the the people in the pews to really know the scriptures mm-hmm. you know i mean you should take the bereans from acts to heart who searched the scripture daily for what Paul was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know the scriptures, I mean, we can help you out with a Bible reading list. We can help you out with helps. We can. There's a lot we can do mm-hmm. in order to help you get to where you need to be. Uh, and that, but, that, as you said, the Bereans, that's Acts chapter 17. Right. Um, but most importantly, you need to just, first you need to learn your catechism. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not very difficult. Every day, you need to be doing this in your homes. Every day, you need to be doing this with your children. And people don't have, a lot of times, may not have trouble confronting the pastor on, on some things, you know, like, you know, he combs his hair this way, he doesn't right. have this personality, or, you know, but when it comes to actually the things that matter, you know, generally, your pastor appreciates a good, honest discussion about God's Word. Right. Um. So. Can I give an example of that? Sure. For parishioners. The Vicar's Monday morning Bible study, um, we're studying the book of Jonah right now, and we just began it. One of the members came in early and said, I woke up this morning and I was just reading Luther on Jonah to prepare for the Bible study. That's awesome. Thanks be to God. And that, that, that's when Vicar's heart starts skipping a beat because, like, oh no. I said, well, I didn't read Luther yet, but I'm... <laughs> no, thanks be to God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are so many helps nowadays too. You know, there's there we have a we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to to things that we can read about the Bible, and even just to have the Bible in our own language is such a blessing. Number three, watch out for elitism. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of goes us. with number one, right? Too, yeah, trust us. You know, and and uh, also then the elitism is looking down on it, on. Others as this well. is this is a big problem, I think, too, for the clergy that we have to remind ourselves that uh, we are not in a special clergy class. Mm-hmm. For you example, uh, how many times have you heard that you've been upset by someone refer a pastor? <laughs> you've heard a pastor maybe talk about, and you you think this isn't going to end well. They talk about, well, I'm just, I kind of feel frustrated because I'm here stuck preaching to dumb farmers. Have you heard that before? I've never heard that before. I've heard that a few times. But somebody should be slapped for saying that. Right, because they know more about... They're smarter than you are, dude. <laughs> I mean, that's... First of all, that that is the sort of contempt that isn't allowed among any Christians. Right. Uh, much less one who... Not, not, I want to say that. That was, that, that was not here. Right, I, yeah. You know, anybody recently that I've talked to, because anyone who's been a pastor in Iowa for any amount of time knows that that it would be silly to say right you and know it was it was for example someone maybe earlier in my career where you know they're from a big city and they have this view of rural life right but, yeah i mean it's just so sad because that's the thing i mean what is the pastor's authority ultimately i mean he didn't get some special character no. when he was ordained no. I mean, it's not like vicar is uh, essentially different than what we mm-hmm. are. Uh, our authority lies in the Word of God. 
Right. And that word is is uh, belongs to every Christian. And this actually can be a lesson to to pastors, and especially to young pastors, where where you uh, you're fresh out of the seminary, you have all this new knowledge that you didn't know, and you have these grand schemes of 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 taking a congregation to this new height of orthodoxy and all mm-hmm. these things. And usually it means, and going back to our earlier talking about you know the Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. It usually means outward things. Mm-hmm. It usually means the things that Luther was talking about, things like chanting and tonsures and chasubles and da 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 Right. Which, those things are not bad things. They, are, they can be very, very right. good things. Right. But to moan the fact, well, these people just aren't cultured enough, or, mm-hmm. you know. Or why don't they submit to my will? Well, maybe your job there isn't to impose your will. Maybe mm-hmm. it's maybe you're there to I don't know build up the church. <laughs> and I mean, Vicar, are you writing this down? Yeah, well, <laughs> this is why I said too. In my position, I probably shouldn't get into too big of a discussion about my opinion of piety. But you guys are hitting it for me, so thank you. I do what I can. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, this is true of every Christian, though, not just the clergy class. Right. Even though I think this is a great temptation for the clergy, right? That well, my will isn't being done, so I'm going to be mad. Well, but this is also true of parishioners too, right? Our duty as Christians, whether mm-hmm. clergy or not, is for the mutual edification of the church. And that sometimes means that you have to sacrifice your own will and what you want for the benefit of everybody else. Because that's just that's, that's, you bring a, a good point. One, one thing that I've really observed— in the, in the years I've been a pastor, is is dirt, certain things really connect with people in different ways. Certain parts of the liturgy connect. Certain types of Bible studies, certain types of sermon. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you always shake up your style once in a while, because some might ap- appeal to others more than others. And I think what what can happen to a pastor, and it happened to me too, is is because something meant really a lot to me in my training, in my life as a Christian— to assume that someone else will connect exactly the same way as I did isn't always true. Right. You know, some person may actually like more simple because it, it kind of it cuts down on the distraction for them. Mm-hmm. And every congregation is a little different. And so sometimes we could say, well, you know, I went to this church because you know, we know, like in the seminary, you go to all sorts of different types of church, and, and right. you, you have this glorious jewel that really meant a lot to you. This is what church is supposed to be, because that's really how it felt to me too, and I really appreciated that. It's not necessarily going to translate to other people in other places. No, I mean this is why pastoral ministry is not playing with Play-Doh. You can't just shape the congregation into what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's more like cutting meat. You know, right? It's more like butchering, because you actually have to know what the contour of the animal is. Thanks for putting that into terms I would understand. Well, <laughs> you know, I, well, I, you know, and it probably seems silly, but it, it's true because mm-hmm. you can make quite a mess of a, of an animal if you don't know what you're doing. Right. You know, and I think that that happens a lot, um, and so that's why I mean, this goes back to unity, right? This goes back to humility. This goes back to. You know, what is the right attitude? Well, we're all here, right? 
God gives some to be prophets and apostles and, you know, pastors and da-da-da-da-da. Why? Um, for the edification, for the perfection of the saints, right? To build up the church. Um, and St. Paul talks about it in other places, too, where if you have a particular gift, it should be used for the church, for the body, mm-hmm. right? And so, I don't know, maybe we should, like, if I'm really good at something and there's no position in the church that allows me to use that gift, maybe you talk to the pastor and elders and say, hey, I have this gift from mm-hmm. God. How can I use it to benefit the church? Number four. So as we go through this, as we continue on, um, number four is something that uh, you brought up already is uh, is uh, kind of the Berean point of view from Acts, where you really search the scriptures for answers and you question for the sake of true doctrine. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a story about this. I uh, early on um, we were dealing with an issue uh, at the church, and um, one of my elders, um, you know, was really questioning, uh, you know, whether this 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 whole issue, you know, was really an issue, you know, and um, and so what I did, um, and I think this is actually one of the smartest things I've ever done. And I don't know, it was by the gift of God. <laughs> but I said, okay, you read the Bible, and you find me a justification for this. And so he read the Bible, and he's like, yeah, I didn't find any justifications for it, but I found a lot of things that are actually against it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, this is, you know, and this goes back to the duty of every Christian, right? That if you hear something that's, you know, smells foul— my right? my uh my father put it this way, and I think you're gonna really like this. Mm-hmm. Okay, he said, uh, "Ignorance about the Bible is not an incurable disease." Right. I like that. That that is great. Um, and so to to learn, mm-hmm. to learn, and I don't care if you're ninety, you can always learn something about the Bible. Another lesson. I think this is number five. Number five. Be more active in Bible study. And I think there are a couple of reasons why. One is is so that you know more about the Bible, obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. right? The second is, is um, if you are, in a sense, searching Scripture and you're wondering, well, what is my pastor teaching the Word of God, where, where are you most likely going to start hearing that before you hear it from the pulpit? you'll start here again in Bible study. Mm-hmm. And so it gives you a chance to clarify and to not be suspicious of your pastor, but learn and grow and uh, and search these things out. Well, and that's the thing. It's more, Bible class is more of a, a more of a dialogue mm-hmm. in that you can have a answer and response. I mean, it's kind of funny because sermons actually used to be this way, especially with Augustine. Mm-hmm. Because they were trained in such a way, which is amazing. But, um, you know, that's why, I mean, what does St. Paul say, you know, that women should ask their husbands at home? Well, the idea there in First Corinthians is that, hey, you know, men are actually asking questions during mm-hmm. the sermon. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, uh, I do think that um, Bible class is a great, like you said, it's a great way— for this sort of dialogue to happen, for people to ask questions, to get into 
implications, mm-hmm. right? I, and even even something like listening to the podcast, really. We try to do it in a way that people enjoy listening to. Yeah, this is kind of more of a cross between a sermon and Bible class, because mm-hmm. it's more like a sermon in that they really can't answer back, except from what Vicar told you where you can, right. you know, but it takes us a couple weeks to answer you back. Um <laughs> But you, you know, know. We, we do it. I try to do it in such a way where we keep it lighthearted, fun, right? So that people want to listen to it too. For those, you know, that kind of brings them into these discussions, right? I mean, you know, there are things that are appropriate in Bible study that are not appropriate in the divine service, right? And so, there are things that we would talk even about a podcast that we may not even bring up in Bible study too, right? Number six. So uh, the next one, um, uh. Don't let, you know, academia override what we already know. I think that is something that I think can happen, is uh, the system that we have to learn in the universities and that kind of thing um, doesn't always necessarily work with theology. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, in the academic world, you're always trying to come up with something new, you know, Something new, or you try to make it more complicated than it actually is. Right. It's kind of like uh, there was a meme on Facebook about you know how you would say something, and then it kept going through like like this paper or this email, right? Mm-hmm. They got to a dissertation, and what you know they make it just this big flowery da 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 da, right? And 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 what happens because of that is when you take theology in there, most of, the, of good theology is not newsworthy. It's not something that you can just you know, write a 300-page dissertation on mm-hmm. that's, oh, I've never thought about it that way, or that's new and exciting, because the Word of God and what God has given us really doesn't change that much. Right. And so applying things like that type of mentality, I have to come up with, you know, and that that's kind of where we get into as trouble. If, as if academia is, you know, Who's serving what? Does the church serve academia, or does academia, is it supposed to be serving the church? And I think that may have lost its sight a little right. bit. So. Because, so if you're saying, well, we're learning now about this about Jonah, or the creation, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're always you're always looking for a new angle or a new approach. Well, that's why those old Bible history books are the best, the advanced Bible history, because they were written by PhDs, but they're written at, at such a level that... Uh, for they're they're for little they're for children, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the explanations there are just so so wonderful. And I do, I mean, I wish the Concordia Journal or not the Concordia Journal, but uh, one out of Fort Wayne, the Quarterly, was more like that. Mm-hmm. I do. I wish I wish there were more practical and pragmatic things that you know are supposedly our doctors of the church. Are talking about. I mean, we have enough changes going on in the world around us, and have we have enough time to discuss how to be a pastor in times of COVID or times of mm-hmm. of all those things where you can address it to be, but to go into and some of it is getting better. I mean, uh, Dr. Kuntz's article on preaching and mm-hmm. maybe how we should you know look at our preaching. Uh, I thought that was great. You know, so right. Um, so it is getting better. It's just you know you read the old uh, quarterlies from like the 20s and 30s, and I mean, they're talking about dispensationalism and, you know, all of these things that are, you know, kind of hot topics for that time. And, and another point is that um, it really was for our synod a clarifying moment. Yeah. It made us stronger. 
Mm-hmm. We don't really think about theological debates, debates making us stronger, but they do, mm-hmm. because um, we came up with a lot more statements since then because of it. And it didn't make us stronger numerically mm-hmm. because people left, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it made us stronger in the Word of God, what we believe about the Word of God, and the like. So so, so a lesson learned is is it's not a bad thing to confront issues and to talk about them. Right. And to strive for unity, as you've mentioned before. So, um, we uh, before we close out our Some and Excellent episode, episode part one. Yep, part one. Uh, do we have a news that bothers Berg? Sure. Do you guys want really gross or kind of weird? Kind of weird. Kind of weird. All right. Wait. So we're gonna continue on a lot more of a lighthearted note, a news that bothers Berg. Hey, Peter, play the intro. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. All right. Practice makes perfect. It does. Right. Right. Good job breathing deeply. Right. Relaxing. Using the diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Good work. Good work. That that mirror is paying off. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So uh, I've got a news that bothers Berg here. Um, Berg, you ever go to McDonald's? Very seldom. Are you aware of the past mascots of McDonald's? The past mascots? Well, I guess technically they're still... They don't really use them too much. So like the clown, right? Ronald got McDonald? Ronald McDonald, but then they've got the Hamburglar? Ones. Yeah, Hamburglar. I Any love others? the Hamburglar. The Grimace. Um, oh, is he the purple guy? Yes. The purple yeah. guy. Grimace? Grimace. You ever yeah. think about Grimace and what he is? Um, I am now. <laughs> what in the world is Grimace supposed to be? Well, he's, is, he, is he like an eggplant? Is he like, like a the, living eggplant? The law, or is and then Ronald is a gospel. Well, you're never gonna guess. So let me just tell you. News article came out, and this article says, "What the heck is Grimace anyway?" McDonald's manager's answer has people shook. The manager of a McDonald's franchise in Canada has revealed a story behind Grimace, the purple pal of longtime mascot Ronald McDonald. It's left a lot of people very confused. He dropped this casually in an interview with CBC News. Quote, he is an enormous taste bud, but a taste bud nonetheless. Ha! That's awesome! (laughs) Bates told the network in an unofficial explanation, adding the character was meant to show that food tastes good. (laughs) McDonald's uh, also ah. tweeted later um, that Grimace Lore says he is the embodiment of a milkshake or a taste bud. So um, Grimace is a taste bud, or maybe a milkshake. Oh, hmm. oh this. Oh, I, you know what? I just feel bad. I feel really bad for Grimace. Why is that? He's a taste bud. Do you imagine COVID for him? It's like <laughs> he's he's lost he's lost his function. He's no longer essential. I think the right. bigger the bigger deal that that if he's just one big taste bud, he tastes with his whole body. Imagine living with your entire body being a taste bud. Mm. Like that every, could be really horrifying at at particular times. Every time you open a door, you have to taste the door. Every time you shake somebody's hand, you have to like taste their hand. Ugh. 
public restrooms. That explains yeah. why he's always uh, grim. That explains his grimace, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he just went to a truck stop bathroom. You know, he's <laughs> he looks happy, but he's he's really facing this, you know, this hell all the time. Or maybe he's like a, a solidified milkshake, but I don't know how a milkshake turns purple and weird shaped. Hmm. Well, if it's sentient, it was left for a long time, so. I guess. <laughs> Radioactive wow, ooze, a- like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle style? Yes. I love the ooze. Why don't they just name him Taste Bud? Or Bud? Well, <laughs> see, Grimace is like if you taste something bad. See, but I don't understand why they call him Grimace, because Grimace is a kind of a bad taste. Right. Why wouldn't you try to name him something, you know, unless it's to try to throw people off? But I haven't even thought of these characters in like <laughs> decades. So, yeah. Oh, there he is. <laughs> so there you go. So, yeah. There's your news that bothers Burke. Are you bothered? I'm just really confused. <laughs> so he's a taste bud. Yeah. Vicar, what do you think? I I would never have guessed that. But now I wonder what was the gross one you were going to talk about. <laughs> well, we'll find out next week on the Clerical Errors podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. And may your grimace be semen excellent. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.